have a problem every year around MLK Day because Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. The march has begun every day. We rise like the sun. We fight till the battle is won. Can you hear the footsteps? Listen, because we're... Another edition of On Another Level. I'm your host, Sharon Hinton. As always, I have a fantastic guest and an amazing topic. We're going to talk about student loans and student loan debt and racial wealth gap inequality and all that good stuff. My amazing guest is Persis Yu, who is the policy director and managing counsel to the Student Borrowers Protection Center. Get your pen and your pencil out. Of course, you should have known to do that anyway, the way we, the way we roll. I've got a lot of information, and if you have any student debt or someone you know has any student debt or you've got students before they go to college, all that good stuff, we're going to be tackling that in the next hour here on Another Level. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We just want to clarify a story that we first brought to you in our morning newscast about the racial disparities in student loan debt. So the information coming from the study by the Student Borrower Protection Center, which is a nonprofit, and that study looked at data from Philadelphia, San Francisco, New York City, and Washington, D.C. And it found that students in majority black and Latinx neighborhoods were up to five times more likely to fall behind on their loans than those in white neighborhoods. What we didn't tell you was why that is. So according to researchers, students in minority communities were found to get less financial support from their parents for college than white students do, which in turn leads them to take on more debt. That study found 90% of black students and 72% of Latinx students had to take out loans in comparison to 66% of white students. And once these minority students graduate, workforce disparities impact their ability to pay those loans off. The, stu the study found black and Latinx families headed by two adults with college degrees earned 80 to 70% of what white families earn with the same education level. Now, we do regret not clarifying why minority students are more likely to fall behind on their loans when we first ran this story. To look at the full study, we do have a link up on our website right now at ktnv.com. What if I told you that instead of doing this? Thank you so much for that information. That was not produced here, and that was actually about a year or so ago, that information. My guest here, Persis Yu, who is the policy director and managing counsel of the Student Borrowers, let me get this right, Student Borrower Protection Center is here to talk about that. Welcome, Persis. Hello, thank so you. So I've, I've met you now twice as, a, as an activist, first in Worcester at the Democratic Convention, and you were doing your thing here, and thank you for coming and, and doing your thing there and here. Tell me, um, and you are an attorney, you're yes. a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Thank you, you're a lawyer. <laughs> and so she knows what she's talking about. How did you, well, tell me what the Student Borrower Protection Center is about sure. and how that's important. Uh, the information that we had in that minute piece right there puts into perspective some of the, more of the details of the conversations that are happening now and that were also during the election yeah. with um, Elizabeth Warren and, you know, Uncle Bernie Sanders right. and now Joe Biden deciding how much he's going to, uh, forgive and so there was even before that there was uh, secretary of education devos 
who would not disallow right. the um, predatory uh, uh, loans that students got caught up in. So they got no uh, college degree that wasn't, you know, that was accredited. And then they also were in incredible amount of debt. And, and some of the other pieces we'll have later on, we'll actually put that in a, a global level and a national level. But right now, why should somebody care? And how do we get around it? Do we ever get around it? But tell me first what the center does and what you sure. do at the center. Sure. Um, so I work for the Student Bar Protection Center. We're a national nonprofit organization, and we focus on alleviating the student debt burden for millions of Americans. Um, pretty much that simple. You know, we, we work and advocate for policies at the national level, at the state level, at the local level, to try to make basically the way that people have funded education more fair. I think at, at its basic level, we have as a society decided that for some reason students should bear the burden of their education through student debt and it's having really devastating consequences on millions of people. And so we're working to make that better. Now, I love it. So, how, so what do you do as the policy director and managing council? So I work with a fantastic team. Um, we have both lawyers and non-lawyers on our team. We do investigations of both the federal student loan system, but also of uh, predatory private student loan products as well. We investigate those products. We look at the impact that it has on student loan borrowers' lives. Um, and we, we work with policymakers on the Hill, um, at the Department of Education, at different state agencies to try to improve the policies and advocate for things like student debt cancellation, which would make a huge improvement. So now, how did you get involved in this work? <laughs> so as you mentioned, I'm a lawyer. Uh, and so I started my career as a legal aid attorney um, back in the foreclosure crisis. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I noticed was that people were coming in with all sorts of debts. Mm -hmm. They were coming in with credit problems. And some of those problems were their student loans. I worked with folks who were older folks who were on social security, on disability, and who were having those funds taken because of their defaulted student loans. So um, here's the thing. When we just showed at the beginning of this program different statistics and how students of color uh, are more negatively impacted um, in their student loans and the fact that they have to take out student loans. And so you've got disparities because you have students who have to take out these student loans, don't necessarily have the family wealth to be able to support that. And then even though they get um, the degrees, they're not necessarily making as much money as anybody else to be able to pay it back. So now how do we, how do we tell our audience that they can actually fight back and they don't just have to take it? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, this is one of the big reasons why we're such vocal uh, proponents of student debt cancellation is that what the student debt system has done is has punished people for not having money, right? It has made it so that if you want to get an education, if you want to improve your lives, you have to take on this expensive debt. Um, it's expensive to take on. If you don't have money, obviously, you need to take on more of it, which makes it harder to repay. And so that's why we really need our policymakers to step up and do something to solve the student loan crisis um, for all student loan borrowers, but in particular because of the impact that it has on communities of color, on women, on older folks. Um, and, and so that's what we need our policymakers to do. So I think, I'm not sure, I know my, my crew has the slides that you sent me. Um, if we could show some of those slides and maybe you can narrate that. I didn't really give them too much of a head up on that, but I'm <laughs> telling them now, we're gonna do that. 
Um, so when you talk about, because there's, there's specific, there's specific categories and demographics of people yeah. who are still within the categories that you're talking about, disproportionately negatively impacted yeah. by student loan debt. Um, so the Student Borrow Protection Center, and you guys can just flip through the center. And through, yep, Americans owe 1.7 trillion in student loan 1. debt. 1.7 trillion dollars. Yes. Yeah, so with a T. With a T. So student loan debt is the second largest credit market in this country right now. So the only the only credit market with more outstanding debt is the mortgage market. So people owe more on student loans than they owe on their credit cards, than they owe on their car loans, um, and any other type of debt other than their homes. So it's a ton of money um, that's really holding down a lot of people. Okay, next slide. Can yeah. we go to the next slides, please? Two-thirds of student debt is owed by women. By women, yes. This is a huge gender equity issue. Um, you know, one of the things, I think a lot of folks have this image of, of student debt as, you know, these young kids going to college. And, and that's true too. Sure, absolutely. That is definitely like one piece of the story. But mm -hmm. what's often missing from that story is really the breadth of who takes on student debt and who goes to school. It's not just young kids, right? And a lot of times it is people going back to school later in life. It is, you know, young, young parents. Um, and so what that, what that reflects is that in fact, that there are a lot of single moms going back to school and they don't have the resources that you know what we think of as our traditional college students might have um, and they have additional expenses they have childcare expenses that they need to pay for as well so we you know um, there's been a fair amount of research to show that yeah in fact women do take on more student loan debt and then because there's also a you know a gender pay equity gap they have a harder time paying it off next slide please Student loan debt is a major, major issue. Look at all of that. Yeah, so I, I know this is a, there's a lot on this slide, but right there are 45 million student loan borrowers who hold student loan debt. And one of the numbers that I think that's really, I mean, that's, that's a huge proportion of our population, right? That's about one in five adults has student loan debt. But of course, it doesn't just impact 45 million student loan borrowers. These, these folks have families. Many of them have spouses, many of them have children, many of them have parents who are all also impacted by the, um, the effects of the student loan debt. Half of the borrowers are over 35. This again goes to that, the conception that folks have that these are, these are all kids. They're not all kids. In fact, many people, partially because of the way that student loans function, you know, lots of people hold on to student loan debt for decades um, and some people, some people die with their student loan debt. But um, because of that, half of folks are actually over the age of 35. And there's actually 9 million borrowers that are in debt for just student loans? So, um, and so there's, prior to the pandemic, more than 9 million of those borrowers were in default on their loans. Um, you know, we have the payment suspension right now. So, the, so fortunately, most folks are not defaulting on their student loans because we have this payment pause um, for nearly all of student loans. But prior to that pause, we saw that Someone, people defaulted on their loans every, someone defaulted on their student loans every 26 seconds. One in four borrowers was behind on their student loans before we had this national payment pause. So there was a huge amount of distress on these loans too. And I think that's really important. It's not just that folks owe the money, which is hurting folks, but folks are actively not able to pay it. And the consequences of that are really harmful to those borrowers and to their families. Tell us some of the consequences. 
So for folks who default on their student loans, the federal government has tremendous powers to collect on that debt. So they're able to take borrowers' wages without ever going to court. What? They're able to take um, borrowers who receive Social Security benefits. They're able to take portions of the Social Security benefits. They're able to take your entire tax refund um, to pay that defaulted student loan. And that includes amounts with, that are attributable to the child tax credit, to the earned income tax credit. This can be thousands of dollars that low-income families often are relying on for, for many emergencies. You know, a lot of folks who rely on the earned income tax credit this is kind of a lifeline that they get, you know, this inflection of cash once a year that they use to catch up on past due rent, you know, repair their car so they can go to work. Um, you know, I've, you know, when I was seeing clients, I would have clients who would say, like, I was looking forward to buying my kids back to school clothes. I'd buy all their clothes. I'd buy all their diapers this one time of the year. Wow. And, and the federal government will take that money. Um, and it, so it's money that these families don't have. I've had families... Um, experience homelessness because you know they they lost they lost their home they couldn't afford their so on the edge their student loan borrowers are often like I mean like so many families right so many families live on the edge and you have this one major catastrophic financial loss and yeah people are they're experiencing homelessness food insecurity yep next slide so income during payment so this is you know this is one of the major programs that our government has that's supposed to make student loans affordable for folks. The way that income during repayment works is that you're supposed to have this affordable repayment option that will then eventually, after 20 or 25 years, um, cancel the remainder of your loans if you haven't paid it off in that time. But what the, um, what the research has found is that it's not working. It's not reaching folks. And in fact, this program has been around for nearly three decades now and only 132 borrowers have ever received cancellation. Wait, wait, wait. It's been around for how long? It's been around since 1994. And only 100 and how many? 132 borrowers have received cancellation. Next, next slide, please. Next slide. That, that's just, you know, I... I, <laughs> I know. It just makes you mad, right? Are you kidding me? It doesn't work. It's not working. So this is... What is this... So this is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. And so if you're a teacher or you work That's in a right. community service job, right. after how long will they wipe the debt out? So instead of 20 or 25 years, like you have for income during payment, after 10 years, it's supposed to wipe out the debt. And what they found is that 98% of people who applied for this program had their loans denied before um, the government. One of, one of Biden's um, programs that he did implement was a waiver program. And so this is one of the relief programs is... But prior to this waiver, 98% of folks who applied were denied. On the basis of what? Because the program was so complicated that folks hadn't jumped through all the appropriate hoops that they needed to in order to qualify. <laughs> a, def a borrower defaulted a, a federal student loan every 26 seconds. That, That's right. Isn't that enough of a signal to say something's it's, broken? It's not working. The system is not working. It's not delivered the relief it was supposed to. And it's not, you know, it was, it was designed to be a tool of access to education. And unfortunately, it has been something, been a program that has, in fact, been in many ways hurting the communities that it was designed to help. More impressive. Uh, next slide, please, if you have one. I forget how many slides are in here. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, this is this was something that came up on the clip before, mm -hmm. is that, you know, black borrowers are three times more likely to default on their three students. Three times. Three times more likely to default than their white peers, right? And so, you know, I think this is really the culmination of how punitive this system is, right? If, you, if you're poor, 
you have to take on more debt to begin with. And then because our society, you know, doesn't play black people, doesn't play women, you know, equitable amounts, you have you have more debt to get the degree and then you have less resources to pay it off. Okay, let's see if there's another slide here. I, I went through this, but it was three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> black borrowers with a bachelor's degree. Wow. Fifty percent more student debt than white people. Fifty percent right. more. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that piece. Up, oh, where are we at? You can go to the next slide if you want while we talk about that piece. <laughs> right. I mean, so what we see is that, I, I, I mean, I think this is, you know, to harp on the same theme, is that this is the way, I mean, student loans is at its core a regressive way of funding education, right? Right. Is that it means that if you don't have the money to pay, you're going to have to borrow more. And of course, there's, an there's interest attached to that. It's, you know, um, and it's going to take you longer to pay. So you're going to pay more over the life of the loan, of a loan that is larger than you would have had to have taken out. So it's like another slavery by another name. Next slide, please. So, and then because of all of, you know, because of the way that it works and because of interest is accruing during this time, what we see is that loan balances are actually growing and that there are a lot of borrowers who are underwater on their student loans, uh, meaning that they owe more now than what they took out to begin with. Mm. Next slide, please. So what you can see on this slide is 20 years after starting school, for the average black borrower, they still owe 95% of what they took out. 20 years later? 20 years later. Whoa. Whereas your average white borrower, 20 years later, has paid off 95% of it. So this is really the culmination of how student loan debt really is impacting um, black students and preventing them from actually, you know, fully utilizing that, that degree that they're attaining. What we haven't actually talked about is that 40% of folks don't actually even get that degree. And so then they have all this debt and then they, they don't get the benefit of it. Next slide, please. So yeah, so this is the, the research about from the Association of University Women that found that two thirds um, of student loan borrowers are women and really highlighting the, um, the gender equity issues that student loan debt has, you know, on top of all of this. And next slide, please. So the, the fastest growing portion of the student loan population is older borrowers, borrowers over 65. Um, student loans is keeping folks from being able to retire, or if they are retired, you know, per, keeping them from financial stability during their because retirement. Because they're paying for their kids' loans, the parent well, plus loans, and if they go back to school, that's right. all of that. I mean, older borrowers really are kind of inundated from all sides. Many of them are still paying on their own, their own student loans. They are also paying for their kids. Some are even paying for their grandkids, too. Um, so they really have this debt from all sides. I, you know, one of the CFPB study, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau study, found that a significant number of seniors report skipping medications in order to pay Whoa. for their student loan debt. Okay. And I think, yep. Right. Um, and, and, and as we saw that, you know, one in three older borrowers is in default on their loans, which means that if they're on Social Security, they're having their Social Security garnished to pay for that, um, you know, if they're working the like. And it's, I mean, you know, and frankly, every dollar that you put towards your student loans is a dollar you didn't put towards retirement, right? right? So they also have less wealth going in um, than non-student loan borrowers to, to just to live off of. Next slide, please. 
So one of the things that I think is really interesting to look at is, you know, when looking at the racial disparities is you can see just from the mapping of it mm -hmm. in your, when you look at neighborhoods. Um, and so, you know, this is a slightly older map um, of Boston from about 2018 mm -hmm. and looking at the delinquency rates where you can see delinquencies in the city of Boston. Now the, the deep red is where the delinquencies the are? The darker the color, the more delinquencies. Wow. And so, you know, if you kind of overlay that with the next slide shows the African-American population, right, you can see basically it, it we can see how it's impacting communities, right? And this, I think, goes to demonstrate why it's not just an individual issue, right? Like this is, student debt is impacting all of our communities. It's impacting the corner store, you know, who, whose customers are having their earned income tax credit. They the can't same. afford to go to shop in their stores, wow. right? It's, it's, you know, those are the kids who are struggling to get the back to school clothes to wear. So, I mean, I think you can do this in almost any city in America. Um, in this part, a majority of voters support the federal government forgiveness, pro forgiving some of or all of yeah, so this is something that's been kind of interesting um, following the, the student debt cancellation debate um, is a lot of Originally, the Biden said he was going to get rid of all of it, and now he's backtracking. And right. He's I, catching heat. You know, I mean, and it, it, it's interesting about, like, what he's catching heat on. It's, you know, oh, well, it wouldn't be fair to people who didn't take on student loans is one of the things that folks say. Or it wouldn't be fair to folks who, you know, paid off their student loans. And the thing is, so we did some polling. Um, with Data for Progress, and across just about every population, folks support student debt cancellation. Whether or not they've paid off their student loans, whether or not they took on student loans themselves, whether or not they went to college or not themselves, folks support student loan cancellation. And I think it gets back to this idea about communities, right? Because even if I don't have student loan debt, you know, my partner, my sister. Get rid sister, of this chart, please. You know. My neighbor has student loan debt. So mm -hmm. I think that folks realize how much it is impacting the folks that they care about. And so there is a lot of support. I mean, even, I mean, I think the only population that doesn't support mm -hmm. student debt cancellation is older Republicans. Even younger Republicans um, will poll in favor of student debt cancellation. Okay, so you just gave me a lot to think about. <laughs> I, I feel like I need a breath or two. Good Lord. Um, so if you've just tuned in, this is Ms. Persis Yu, who's a lawyer. She's the, <laughs> I love saying that. She's the lawyer. Because um, that's, that's a lot of money to be able to go to law school. Do you have student debt? So I am very fortunate, and my student debts were canceled under the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. So I did have student loan debt, and it has been forgiven because I, I've been a nonprofit lawyer for more than 10 years. You look good, girl. Thank you. <laughs> um, and one of our interns actually has said that he doesn't have uh, student loan debt because he got scholarships. Yeah. But we all know anybody who's ever gone to college or had kids go to college, those scholarships don't cover everything. Right. And some of the loans you can't get to be able to cover that either. So room and board is incredible, right. especially in, in yeah. Massachusetts. And you don't, you don't necessarily get uh, books covered, books are, depending on the the major science books, engineering books, law books, those are expensive. Yeah. Um, anything to do with the health professions are expensive. We are talking about student loan debt cancellation here with Persis Yu. She's a policy director and managing counsel of the Student Borrowers, Borrower Protection Center. I'm going to get that together. 
We're going to show you a clip during this show. Take some notes, especially if you want to know how to get rid of your student loan debt or why you're even in debt. This is on another level. Hopefully you're getting there with us. We'll be right back. Well, it's time now for Quick Take by the Numbers. It's where we give you the numbers that tell the story. This morning's number is $17,600. In 2016, black families had $17,600 in median family wealth. That's according to the Federal Reserve. That compares to $20,700 for Hispanic families and $171,000 for white families. The gap is so severe that black bachelor's degree holders have less wealth than white people with just a high school degree. This is why a higher percentage of black people who have middle-class income struggle to pay off their student loans. As our next guest writes, actually closing this wealth gap won't be solved by debt forgiveness, and student debt is keeping many black Americans from acquiring homes and starting businesses. Here to discuss is senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and author of Know Your Price, Valuing Black Lives and Property in America's Black Cities, Andre Perry. Hey, Andre, thanks so much for, for joining us on this today. Um, how does the conversation need to change to make sure that racial wealth disparities are considered when addressing the student debt crisis? Yes, currently the conversation is around income, and we know that there's a difference between income and wealth. Wealth is the sum total of all the assets a person owns minus your debts. Income is essentially what you earn in a job. And so when you look at just income, we often assume that people have the same ability to pay uh, their student loans back. And so that's why um, in, a, in a recent report um, titled Student Debt Cancellation Should Consider Wealth, Not Income by me and my, my colleague, um, Carl Romer and I, we, we looked at the impact of wealth. And we find that clearly if you cancel more debt, you're going to help close that wealth divide. And, and as you stated, it's student loans are prohibiting many black families, many middle-class black families from purchasing a, a home to for acquiring assets that would um, heighten their wealth status. So um, we, we've got to look at debt cancellation differently by looking at wealth and not income. I want to read a, 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 something that you wrote from this piece in, in Bloomberg City Lab. Quote, because of slavery, Jim Crow racism, historic housing discrimination, and biased criminal justice policy, black people have less wealth, making it much more likely for us to have burdensome student loans as a result of our striving. Do you think this is something that politicians in Washington understand? No, they don't understand the concept of uh, or how discrimination currently impacts um, um, buying power, um, wealth uh, in this country today. And so we really have to educate the, the, the nation really on things like redlining, um, segregation, um, and other practices that have essentially extracted wealth um, from families. And, and this is still occurring. Another study that um, I'm a part of, we looked at um, housing devaluation. Home, homes in black neighborhoods are generally valued 23% lower than equally uh, or equivalent homes in white neighborhoods, robbing uh, uh, um, black communities of $156 billion in assets accumulatively across the country. And so this issue of wealth is really um, um, comes goes back to the historical disenfranchisement of black families and black communities 
but it's hurting people today. And so that's why we have to have a serious conversation about history, about discrimination, so that people can see that it's not just about income, how much money you earn, but how much money you have saved, how much money, um, um, how much wealth you have collectively, because this is the protection people have when an economic shock occurs. But so much of the conversation, even during the, the 2020 election, really focused on income, not on wealth. So from a policy perspective, what policy recommendation would you have to lawmakers as to alleviate these issues, or at least I want to say start to alleviate? Well, Carl Romer and I found that if, if you look at the, the three major plans from Biden, the 10,000 debt cancellation for all, um, the Warren plan, which um, is about 50,000 of debt cancellation that's means tested, and Bernie Sanders um, of total debt cancellation. Total debt cancellation um, certainly closes the wealth gap the most. Um, and so we need to really look at each plan and, and look at the impact on wealth overall. But it, it's harder to measure wealth because a, a lot of people um, lie on their uh, taxes, essentially. But we can find metrics um, that really consider wealth and not just income. And we can, we can do it just like I did and, and Carl Romer and I did in this report. It's, you know, I was just talking with our colleague Kevin Cirilli in Washington about a $15 minimum wage. And it seems difficult to even get Democrats on board. We saw it over the weekend when they voted no on including a $15 minimum wage in the relief package. Um, how, do you, how do you get widespread support for policies like this in, 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 in a place where even seemingly to a lot of people, I think, simple and, and, and not that big of a, a change like a $15 minimum wage um, isn't that big of a deal to most people? Well, but th this is where it gets a little bit complicated and why I constantly encourage lawmakers to just to center black people in their analyses. I mean, even the $15 um, uh, minimum wage debate is different for black business owners who, again, have lower wealth, lower wealth cushions. So they're going to be disproportionately impacted by these policies as opposed to white business owners. And so I'm I mean, I think it goes without saying we needed another economic floor to look at um, wealth or um, uh, economic mobility overall in this country. And $15 an hour may be part of that. But let's be clear that many policies that are designed to help everyone often hurt black people the most because of the lack of wealth caused by historic discrimination. Senior fellow, I think. Thank you so much for that report. Welcome back to On Another Level. Um, you said this is your favorite person, Percy. I, I did, you. yes. So you like Mr. Perry, what Mr. Perry is saying, and you are the policy. I mean, that's what you do at your organization, the Student Borrowers Protection Center. You are the managing council and the policy director. What do you think about the policies that he talks about and the policies that the other p three people, Biden, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Warren and Uncle Bernie. What do you think about those? So I mean, I, so so I, I agree that I think you know, I think a lot of the conversations that we have had about student debt and especially about how to solve the student debt crisis have been centered around income, and that really does miss the point for a lot of folks. Because um, as Mr. Perry said, you know, it completely ignores the racial wealth gap. It completely ignores the resources that folks have. Right? Like some folks. Um, 
so my background before going to law school was as a social worker. And one of the things that I know is that some folks could afford to take lower paying jobs because they had familial wealth to back them up, right? And so in a lot of places, and this is actually you know, one of the conversations we have around public service loan forgiveness, is that a lot of folks from lower income communities or who are supporting their families can't actually afford to take a lower paying That's job. Right. Right, they have to take the higher paying job, um, and the way I mean, you know, and not just your own individual wealth, but I think it's worth thinking about familial wealth too, um, because a lot of folks, when they don't come from families with resources, they have to support their families, even though that's not reported on your, you know, on your individual household income tax form. Right? Is that your income is actually going to support a larger network of folks, and that's not reflected when we just talk about, you know, well, this person makes $75,000, this person makes $100,000. Um, you know, the reality is a lot of folks of color have to make more money to support their families because they don't have that cushion to fall back on. And so I think that's right. We have to take into consideration this, this conversation about, um, about wealth as we're talking about how to solve the student debt crisis. I think the other piece to talk about is how? How do we get that relief exactly. to folks, right? Um, and so, I, you know, I think one of, this is the reason why we have advocated for widespread cancellation, is that, you know, what we've learned, what we've learned through income journey payment, through public service loan forgiveness, is that when the government puts bureaucratic hurdles in front of folks, it means that the folks who need it the most are the least likely to get it. Um, and so that's really the underpinning about why we think it's so important that we just give student debt cancellation to all student loan borrowers. Ah. That it need, we cannot be means testing these programs because what it will in effect do is the folks who have resources will figure out how to work the system and how to get the relief. And that the folks who don't have access to, you know, good internet access, right? The folks who are in default and we don't have, the government doesn't have good contact information for them. Those are the folks who are gonna miss out um, if we try to do complicated means testing. So in order to really get the relief where it needs to go, it needs to go to everybody. Mm. And I mean, and, and I think the other point is also right. It needs to be as much as, as, much as possible, right? That you will do more good with more cancellation. Um, you know, one of the, this, there was a study done by Brandeis right around the corner here, you know, that looked at to really even begin to address the racial wealth gap through student debt cancellation, you have to do at least $50,000 of cancellation. Um, and that study is actually a couple of years old now. At, at the more recent studies have suggested that actually it's closer to like $75,000 um, per student loan borrower. So really what we, what we know is that more cancellation will do more good, especially for borrowers of color. And then also in terms of policy, because I, I remember um, when this push was first to have people go to college, you right. could get more government funding, right. like the Perkins loans and stuff. And then the government started uh, uh, cutting back on that. And then the schools increased yeah. with what they were charging. And so you've got people that are in school now. It happened to my daughter. You're in school now, and all of a sudden, yeah. That's not part of your financial aid package. And so what happened is that the financial aid loan officers started packing these loans in there more so than That's the scholarships right. and for the grants from the, the Pell Grants and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So aid for college students has not caught up, kept up with the cost of tuition, right? You know, we've seen the, the Pell Grant has really, 
really shrunk in terms of its you know, purchasing power. We don't have the Perkins program anymore. States have also, you know, over a span of decades, been you know, more and more disinvestment from their, you know, from their public institutions. And so we do see the cost of college rising you know, way faster than the rate of inflation and the amount of aid available to students going down. Mm -hmm. And only, you know, I told you this was going to go by quickly, so I'm, I'm reserving my space for part two. If I'm sitting here looking at this and I happen to be a black person in college, graduated from college, trying to make it happen, what can I do? What can I do? Well, look, I mean, so if you are someone with student loan debt, right, I mean, I think our policymakers, first of all, need to tackle this crisis, right? We, we, we need them to to alleviate the student loan debt. We need them to you know, m fix the policies that are putting the cost of education on to students by debt. But I mean, if you are a student loan borrower, you do need to know that there are programs available. And one of the problems with this whole system is that the government has failed to deliver on those promises, right? The promise of income during payment. There is a program that lets you pay based upon your income and then will cancel your debt after 20 or 25 years. It hasn't worked for most folks because the government has bungled it, but if folks can, you know, can navigate the system, they can make it work. Um, and so I think it's, it's discouraging that it has to be, the onus has to be on borrowers, that the onus has to be on individuals when the system really should work. Um, but borrowers should know that there are options. And so if you are watching, you should investigate, you should learn about those options, about income during payment, about public service loan forgiveness. Um, you know, I mean, I think one of, one of the pieces that we haven't actually even talked about very much is you know the disparity in the quality of education that folks receive right we've talked about getting ed education kind of as a monolith of folks who have degrees versus folks who don't we talked about the fact that you know 40 percent of people with debt did not receive that degree um and so i think one of the pieces that that's what that says to me is that the risk of trying to get an education is really high Mm. Right. We really punish people if you want to get an education, but somehow things don't work out for you. Right. Like that's a really high cost for for the chance to possibly succeed. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have a lot of schools that have taken advantage of, you know, the desperate nature of folks who do want that education to get ahead. You know, I've represented hundreds of clients um, over the years, you know, and most of them have gone to for-profit schools that promised them big careers with big buyouts and they wound up in many cases being you know honestly a fraud mm. and you know they didn't most of the folks that i've represented didn't get the education that they were promised there weren't the you know the job offers waiting at the end of the at the end of the program um, and so now they have what is essentially if they have a degree is essentially a worthless degree and so there have been a lot of folks who've really kind of capitalized on the availability of federal funds to take advantage of student loan borrowers. And we've seen some actions um, in this administration to, you know, to, to alleviate those, those problems. We just saw, um, you know, finally, the folks who went to the Corinthian colleges, Everest right. and Healed, right? Like finally, those folks are seeing relief. The, the government has finally agreed to cancel those loans. Um, but there are more schools, you know, Everest wasn't alone. There are many other schools that are in similar situations and well, many more Well, thank God borrowers. we got rid of Betsy DeVos. I said it. That's right. I said it. 
Um, we've got like about nine minutes left. Right. I told you this was going to happen, All right. right? So um, if someone goes to, to your website, yep. the, and let me get it right, www. Well, it's actually protectborrows.org, but it's www.protectborrows.org. <laughs> For yes. those of you that are slow and don't know, www.protectborrows.org. Can you plug into programs and find out more information on what we've actually presented tonight and some of these loan forgiveness? Yeah, absolutely. So on our website, you're going to find information about the investigations that we've done, about how these programs are working who they're working for, who they're not working for. Um, the other, we also run another website, forgivemystudentdebt.org, um, where you're going to find out a lot of information about how to access the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, how to navigate this, this behemoth of a system. I mean, the reality is, is it's hard, and folks should not feel bad if they have not, if they have not succeeded. But we have some resources available to folks. Um, you know. We are, we're lucky in Boston that we do have, you know, various different legal services organizations too that can represent at least like low income folks. Um, so, you know, there are some resources available to help people. Um, I wish, you know, I wish our government were stepping up to do more, but you know, but we're, we're doing our part. And so you can find out more about the programs and how to navigate that system as best as you can. We got one short, one more short clip and then I want to come back to wrap this up. And this one is about, could student loan cancellation help narrow the racial wealth gap? It's about a minute or so. Don't go anywhere. Could student loan forgiveness help close the racial wealth gap? The Federal Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances reported white families had more than seven times the wealth than black families in 2019. Some Democratic lawmakers and progressive groups have been pushing for student loan forgiveness. They're proposing the cancellation of $10,000 or $50,000 in federal student loans. This could provide substantial relief. Morningstar's Director of Investor Education, Karen Wallace, and Morningstar's Senior Policy Analyst, Liam Mitchell, took a closer look at the numbers. Let's see what they found. The Federal Reserve's data showed nearly one in three households have student loan debt. Morningstar examined the data and found the median student loan debt for black and African-American households was $26,000 in 2019. It was the most compared to other racial groups. Now let's break down how forgiveness programs could impact borrowers at different income levels. What would forgiving $10,000 of federal student loans do? Debt would be eliminated from 34% of households in the lowest income class. And by forgiving $50,000, relief would reach 85% of households in the same group. Higher income households would benefit from this too. A significant amount of money would flow to these households since a higher percentage of them have loans. Not everyone agrees that eliminating student debt up to a certain cap provides the most meaningful relief to those who need it most. However, forgiveness programs like these could give many student loan borrowers a leg up in overcoming their debt. Well, you know, we have to add, we have to end our show because we've got a few moments now on a more positive note. So that's <laughs> why I had to squeeze that in there only, you know, even though we've only got a, a few minutes. How, so you're dealing with policy, policies, legislators and people in power being able to make these decisions that impact everyone else that's not in the room. Are there specific, this is an election year. It seems like yep. in Boston, there's always an election year. And um, so we've got um, the state senatorial district that's being, but that's, but, but what actually elected officials can affect this policy? Does it have to be at the governor's level or, or where is that? You know, I mean, I think that there's a role at every single level. 
Certainly, obviously, the federal government hold, holds a big role in this since most of the debt is federally owned um, and is federally managed. But there's also a role um, at, at the state and local level, of course. So first of all, one of the things we haven't talked about, I talked earlier about the consequences of student debt um, if you default. Well, the state has a role in that too. There are folks who have unpaid tuition bills or have other debts owed to their schools, and that is collected at the state level. Um, and so there's absolutely a role that the state plays. Um, in fact, you know, folks, if you have a debt to a local community college here, they, can, they will also take the state um, earned income tax credit and your state tax refund as well. So, you know, there are, there are schools that are um, withholding transcripts from their students if they owe this debt, which is preventing them from going back to school to complete their degrees and, you know, and pay off their debt. Get debts. a better job, yeah. Right? Um, so there's absolutely a role, you know. The so, so what would I do? Would I, have to, would I have to vote for a certain person to be governor? Would I have to vote for a certain person to be mayor? I mean, how does that, because all, especially in Boston, it's like a sport, right? <laughs> so all politics is local. So how yeah. do I... Um, how do I impact the decision makers and the policy makers? Do I have to make sure that they have a certain platform? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, folks, I mean, first of all, I think, like, what are they saying on student loan debt, right? It is impacting just about every single aspect of our lives. We heard that about home ownership, about business formation, right? So there are absolutely ways that, you know, local leaders can influence um, and, and help folks with student loan debt. You know, there are some communities have developed um, programs to, you know, help pay student loan debt. Um, or in Boston? Not in Boston. Oh, no, okay. Across I was going to say, I didn't hear about that no, one. No, no. There are, there are communities across the country. You know, there are ways. Okay. And we need to, and, and, you know, obviously what I think at the end of the day, we need to figure out a way to fund our higher education system that is not reliant on student debt. Mm. You know, I think, you know, one of the clips said, we need to stop punishing people for trying to get an education with by burdening them with this debt. I think at the end of the day, we need to help, you know, the f nearly 45 million people who have student loan debt, and we need to make sure that there are no more taking it on. And there's only 330 million people in this country, so do the numbers, because the numbers are really telling you what's going on. Purses, thank you so so much, and, and I didn't know who knew when I was sitting next to you <laughs> in the uh, convention center in Worcester, in Worcester that this is what we'd be doing, but I'm so glad that you agreed to do this, and we had some hip hiccups now and then. You're totally healthy now, I'm right? healthy, that's right. Okay, no COVID, and so um, thank you so much, and, and again, I'm gonna say I need to have you back because I want people to understand the impact of it because we had so much information yeah. that people don't understand that it's part of an overall system right. to oppress people yeah. economically in the land of the free and the home right. of the not so brave. Um, I appreciate you so much. And last, the last, um, last tips, one last tip and a contact number. Protectborrowers.org to learn more about the issue. Um, we have a lot of information about the servicers that folks are going to be. What was the other thing about my student debt? Oh, forgivemystudentdebt.org. That's absolutely um, has a lot of has a wealth of information. My colleagues have done a great job. Has instructional videos to help you walk through the government's website, um, get into the programs that people need. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we appreciate you being here. Hopefully, you learned a lot. We brought your knowledge of what you didn't know and what you do know, what you thought you knew about student debt here, how it affects you and how it affects our community and how it affects 
our country. My name is Sharon Hinton. I'm your host. Take care of each other and yourself. God bless. We'll see you next time.